Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gorn. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news in wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. More on coronavirus and its impact on the wine industry. France officially recognizes natural wine. Trinquero, Napa Valley, to start making hard seltzer. And as ever, our wine of the week. This week's news has, of course, been dominated by coronavirus yet again. Uh, Here in California, we're entering our third week of semi-isolation as all bars and restaurants remain closed. And although we've continued to take advantage of curbside pickups to try out a new restaurant called Hank's in Petaluma, their mushroom pizza was extremely tasty, we have to say. So there are still plenty of opportunities to buy food and wine and support the hospitality industry. I learned on Monday that the MW exams scheduled for June have been cancelled completely. The next exams won't be until June 2021. And it was obviously disappointing that they didn't postpone them until the end of the year. I was expecting them to, they weren't going to go ahead in June, but cancelling them completely was quite extreme. But the Institute felt there was too much uncertainty to reschedule them. Still, more time for me to study and to get a super pass. That was Katie's (laughs) advice. Yep, that's sort of the name of the game for all of us is to not lose momentum in this time where we've all had to sort of take a pause. So we're still tasting and drinking wine. Uh, On Wednesday, we're going to do a virtual blind tasting with some friends of ours. Uh, Backroom Wines in Napa have kindly put together some themed wines for us to taste blind, and they put them in paper bags, remove the capsules, the whole bit. So we'll all have the same wines without any of us knowing what they are. And uh, it's a great tasting exercise and way of keeping in touch with friends while we stay at home. Looking forward to it. See how we do. You'll learn next week. So around the world, in the UK, demand for wine meant that Majestic's website crashed at the beginning of the week. Its retail shops have shut, but the website is back up and running and they will continue to fulfil online orders. So a lot of demand for wine in the UK and other drinks as well. At the beginning of the week, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who himself has been diagnosed with a mild case of coronavirus, announced the closure of all non-essential services across the country. But on Wednesday, the government clarified that off-licenses were considered essential and could remain open. So good news for consumers there. However, the Wine Society announced that they were discontinuing their delivery service, which is the heart of their business, although they will continue to monitor developments and assess whether delivering wine can be done safely. Oddbins also closed its shops, putting its staff on furlough, meaning that they could benefit from the government's guarantee to pay 80% of workers' wages. Given that Oddbins is currently in an administration and needs to find a buyer by the end of March, that is this week, it's unclear what this means for the future of the retailer. Also in the UK, the government rejected calls by the Wine and Spirits Trade Association to waive collection of duty on alcohol for March so that bars and retailers could use the money to stay afloat. It's not very sensitive, is it? No, there's kind of good news, and but more bad news, really, in the industry. And so it goes. So meanwhile, in the USA, uh, sales of wine and spirits in off-premise stores rose by nearly 30%, with an increase also in sales of beer and cider. Although this large increase is actually smaller than the rise in sales of 40% across all consumer goods, it still indicates that U.S. consumers believe that alcoholic beverages are necessary to get them through the crisis, which is likely to worsen in the coming weeks. 
Though I will say um, I listened to an interesting uh, or saw an interesting live video by Allison Park, who is the founder of Bren Whiskey. And she was remarking about how everyone, it seems that it's so positive for, you know, the spirits industry and the wine industry that off-premise sales are off the charts and doing really well. Um, But we also have to be certain that you know, the right brands are being taken care of as well, because a lot of those, because a lot of those brands that are benefiting from all this are those large scale, uh, big brands, and maybe not the craft producers that we should really be supporting in this time. Well, we're definitely supporting the small craft producers. Uh, We're getting deliveries quite a lot, it has to be said. Supporting Allison's remarks is that uh, three liter packs of wine have seen the biggest rise of 53%. And sales of grain alcohol have also risen, possibly for people to make their own hand sanitizers from. We imagine these sales figures will continue to rise due to the closure of bars and restaurants, with prepared cocktails also seeing a significant increase. Let's hope consumers will return to bars and restaurants whenever they reopen and hope that bars and restaurants have what it takes to weather the storm. But for now, it's good news for retail outlets. And to support those bartenders who are currently unable to work, Hollywood actor and co-owner of Aviation Gin, Ryan Reynolds, announced that 30% of profits from online sales of the gin will go to the United States Bartenders Guild, which Aviation has already donated $15,000 to. Other drinks have also made charitable donations, and here's a short list to show how big corporations are helping out the hospitality community and relief organizations. La Marca Prosecco have donated 50,000 euros to a local hospital in Treviso. Uh, Beam Suntory have gifted $1 million to organizations to support restaurants and bar workers. Bacardi have pledged $3 million and launched a hashtag Raise Your Spirits campaign, while Bacardi-owned Patron donated $1 million to hospitality charities. Brown Foreman, owner of Jack Daniels, donated $1 million for coronavirus relief funds. Through Guinness, Diageo have pledged 1 million British pounds to support the bartending community. Jameson's, the Irish whiskey, have donated $500,000 to the United States Bartenders Guild. And Fireball Whiskey have promised to match donations or tips of up to $400,000, also to be given to the Bartenders Guild. And Tito's Vodka have donated $2 million to relief charities and another $1 million to hospitality. Well, it's great to see these corporations are showing so much support, especially as companies are unsurprisingly expecting to suffer through 2020. Campari have withdrawn the profit predictions they made in February, while Pernod Ricard have lowered their profit predictions. And speaking of Pernod Ricard, they actually established a, uh, well, through their partnership with Wine and Spirits Education Trust with the WSET, um, they're offering uh, classes for, uh, I think, 2,000 students um, to do the Spirits Level 1 course, which they've already filled all those seats. So good on them. Uh, So initially, Pernod Ricard had a forecast of 2% fall in sales, but now they are predicting 20%, an indication of what's in store for the world economy across the board. But various organizations are determined to carry on. The China Food and Drink Fair has been rescheduled for the 21st to the 23rd of May, while Wines of Spain have announced that their London event will take place on 29th September to replace the cancelled March event. Vin Italy, however, has been completely cancelled and will now take place in June of 2021. So again, lots of uh, mixed news on the events and when they're going to take place. So everything's changing on a day-to-day basis. Mm. 
Now, if that wasn't enough reporting for you already, now on with the news. A new labeling term has been created in France for natural wines, called Vin Méthode Nature, in order to market wines under one denomination and to give a more precise definition of natural wine. There is now a natural wines union which will oversee the new labeling term during its three-year trial period. The criteria for being able to use Vin Méthode Nature on a label include hand-picked grapes from certified organic vines, indigenous yeast, no cross-flow filtration, no flash pasteurization, no thermovinification, and no reverse osmosis, as well as up to 30 milligrams per liter of sulfites are allowed. So wines which qualify for the designation will be allowed to use an approved logo on their labels. Wines which have had no sulfur added can also add the phrase sans sulfites ajouté to the logo. Producers have to apply every year for approval to be labeled Van Méthode Nature. We've been waiting a long time for a formal definition of natural wine, and we've finally got one. It still seems quite a broad definition, but the fact that the wines have to be tasted will hopefully ensure only good quality wines can receive the labelling designation. And I also like the distinction between wines that have had sulphur added and those that haven't. That brings some clarity into the debate about sulphur. And this is a new definition, and I'm sure it will evolve, especially after the three-year trial period ends. Of course, it makes sense that France were the first to implement something like this. Are there any other countries thinking of doing the same? Well, Spain and Italy have indicated that they will also introduce this designation following the French model, and will be doing so quite soon, which will mean the three largest producers of wine in the world will have a formal official designation for natural wine producers to follow. So all very encouraging news, I think. And if it makes the wines more consistent and better quality then um, all the better, because natural wine can be a bit all over the place. So if we actually have a standard to follow, then maybe there'll be a bit more consistency. Maybe. Big maybe. The pod has reported on the popularity of hard seltzer here in the US before, and now another big player is getting in on the game. Napa-based Trinquero, who owns Sutter Home and Menage a Trois, have announced that they too are going to release a wine-based hard seltzer called Del Mar. It's going to come in four flavours, sold in single flavour packs of four 355ml cans at $9 a pack. 355ml cans. With low alcohol and low calories, less than 100 per can, Trinquero will be targeting the health-conscious consumer. Del Mar is to be released next week, and will also be available in bars and restaurants once they open again. Well, Trinquero are never slow to miss a trick, are they? After all, they pioneered white Zinfandel and made it so widely popular. Uh, So now, no surprise that they're getting in on the trend for hard seltzer while sales are still high and before they bottom out. Naturally, there's going to be a large national advertising campaign, so expect to see a lot of Del Mar in the coming year. They're releasing it at a difficult time, however. Um, After all, they won't be able to sell in bars or restaurants yet, but expect off-premise sales to get off to a flying start. As we noted above, consumers are going to continue to buy alcohol from stores for as long as they can while they have to stay at home. And also, as we noted, it's really favoring big brands like Trinquero, who have the marketing dollars to support it. My question is, 355 milliliter cans, why that size? I have no idea. That's what's been reported. So we hope that it's accurate. Well, you know, the normal Coca-Cola can, right, is 330 Mm -hmm. ml. 
Maybe it's just to hit that 100 calorie per can mark. Not sure. So we did a little research and it appears that White Claw is about 567 milliliters. So that's just short of a British pint size. Um, But this 355, not sure. Maybe just for convenience. Yeah, maybe just that little bit extra on top of a can of Coke. I still think it's just to nail that 100 calorie per can, but that's just me. And now for our wine of the week. Well, once again, here at home, we've been drinking some fun wine to keep our spirits up and to keep our taste buds in practice. One highlight was a Garnacha from Commando He, producers Daniel Landi and Fernando Garcia, and they're one of our favourite Spanish producers who make outstanding, pale-coloured, concentrated Garnacha from west of Madrid, really helping reimagine what Garnacha can be in Spain. But we have highlighted them before in our Wine of the Week, and they're always a go-to, so check them out if you haven't before. So for our actual wine of the week, uh, we've gone to France and Champagne. So we do have two wines. So wines of the week, I guess, is more appropriate. And this is kind of fun because we can really compare and contrast. And they are so different. So there's a lot to talk about. Le, Le Grand Anet by Boulanger and Dom Perignon. Not wines we get to taste or drink very often. Um, it was actually me that suggested Champagne at, I think, it was noon, though, right? I mean, I think we just were, we, it was just about, it was a Saturday. So I, th- I think we were okay. But we'd never actually had Le Grand Denis before. Uh, Matthew had bought, bought it to help prepare for the MW exam. But as that was canceled, we thought we'd just crack them open and do a side-by-side. That's what happens when you don't get out of the house very often. So Le Grand Denis is uh, Bollinger's vintage wine, and we got to taste the 2012 Pinot Noir and 35% Chardonnay, coming from 21 different villages. And it's a very unusual wine uh, for Champagne, because all the fermentation takes place in barrel. And Bollinger are known for their barrels and for a more oxidative style, which has led to bottle variation in the past, but they seem to have successfully solved that issue. The second fermentation also takes place in the bottle, which is sealed with a natural cork rather than a crown cap and aged for six years. And we're actually reading today that research has found that champagne aged under cork has more expressive aromatics, which I found interesting. And then the bottles are hand riddled and disgorged by hand, just like um, it was done in the 19th century. So this is a really old school, old fashioned wine, but really high quality for sure. And in complete contrast, Dom Perignon is made in a reductive style, meaning that there is very little contact with oxygen at any stage of the winemaking at all. And I tasted this one blind after the Bollinger, and I noted a complete difference. But I've always struggled with being able to identify the reductive style. So when we were reading up on it after, uh, I found it very interesting because I think it gave me a very good benchmark to judge future wines. It's a 50-50 Pinot Chardonnay blend and was the first prestige cuvee to be released back in the 1930s an innovative way of promoting Moet et Chandon as a luxury brand during a period of economic crisis. And it comes from eight Grand Cru villages and a premier crew, and is made to be consistent in style from year to year, as this is such a well-known, iconic, yet widely drunk wine. One that can be drunk young or with more age, and we had the 2008, so it was a little more mature than the 2012 Grand Anet. So you've commented on the differences between the oxidative and reductive, and the 
Bollinger was a bit more open and expressive, the Dom Perignon a bit more closed and reductive, mm-hmm. as you said. So very interesting differences. And Dom Perignon, more similar, I'd say, to kind of a Burgundian Chardonnay almost. Yeah, especially those producers that favor a more reductive style of making Chardonnay. So it really had that Burgundian nose, which was quite interesting. But which you, did you prefer of those two styles, Katie? Well, the Grandinet, I think, for me, had it um, a bit more expressive and elegant. And I think I like that oxidative style. It just a lot more uh, range of flavor and just felt more intense. Well, we're both lovers of sherry, where oxygen is all important mm. and the relationship between oxygen and the wines. No surprise that we're going towards this more oxidative style. And there are a lot of uh, similarities between champagne and sherry, uh, particularly fino sherry. So we felt we were kind of in that uh, range. So oh, really, we have a bottle of Fino in the fridge, don't we? We have a bottle of Amontillado, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. But it's a really good one, so yes. And, you know, that's just what we do on a Saturday. Drink Dom Perignon and La Grande Anne by Bollinger. Whatever it takes to get us through this self-isolation. Cheers to that. So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gone. Join us next week for another wind-up. And in the meantime, we ask that you please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps other listeners searching for the news in wine to find us. Especially if the reviews are positive. That's right. See you next week. Cheerio!